close then. <laughs> right, we're continuing in Luke's Gospel, and we're up to chapter 5, reading from verse 33, and we're going right into chapter 6 down to verse 11. So it's Luke 5, verse 33. A question put to the Lord Jesus. And they said unto him, Why do the disciples of John fast often and make prayers? And likewise the disciples of the Pharisees, but thine eat and drink. And he said unto them, Can ye make the children of the bride chamber fast while the bridegroom is with them? But the days will come when the bridegroom shall be taken away from them, and then shall they fast in those days. And he spake also a parable unto them, No man putteth a piece of new garment upon an old, if otherwise then both the new maketh a rent, and the piece that was taken out of the new agreeeth not with the old. And no man putteth new wine into old bottles, else the new wine will burst the bottles and be spilled, and the bottles shall perish. But new wine must be put into new bottles, and both are preserved. No man also having drunk old wine straightway desireth new, for he saith the old is better. And it came to pass on the second Sabbath after the first that he went through the cornfields, and his disciples plucked the ears of corn and did eat, rubbing them in their hands. And certain of the Pharisees said unto them, Why do ye that which is not lawful to do on the Sabbath days? And Jesus answering then said, Have ye not read so much as this, what David did when he himself was hungered, and they that were with him, how he went into the house of God and did take and eat the showbread, and gave also to them that were with him? which is not lawful to eat, but for the priests alone. And he said unto them, that the Son of Man is Lord also of the Sabbath. And it came to pass also on another Sabbath, that he entered into the synagogue and taught. And there was a man whose right hand was withered. And the scribes and the Pharisees watched him, where they would heal on the Sabbath day, that they might find an accusation against him. But he knew their thoughts, and said to the man which had the withered hand, Rise up and stand forth in the midst. And he arose and stood forth. Then said Jesus unto them, I will ask you one thing. Is it lawful on the Sabbath days to do good or to do evil, to save life or to destroy it? And looking round about upon them all, he said unto the man, stretched forth thy hand, and he did so, and his hand was restored whole as the other. And they were filled with madness, and communed one with another what they might do to Jesus. Let's just ask the Lord's blessing on his word. Our Father, we thank that we have thy word in our hands once again, and the responsibility of listening to this word and the responsibility of knowing the word and we pray that thou wouldst bless this word in thy presence this morning through our Lord Jesus. Amen. 
So the chapter divides quite nicely. There's issues of fasting, which we'll cover. Um, The Lord puts a parable in there as well, which is a bit tricky to unravel, but he puts a parable in. (laughs) And then there's issues about the Sabbath. And also these chapters, they, they speak about a great deal of issue regarding the Pharisees. Uh, the Pharisees were constantly on the back of Jesus, uh, constantly watching him, watching for any failure that he might have, watching for any mistake he might make in the law, and so forth and so forth. So they were constantly watching him. Can you imagine the oppression that would be if someone's constantly watching you all the time, seeking to trip you up and trap you? Uh, that must be very hard for the Lord in this, in this case. And he has some choice words for himself for these Pharisees. So the question went out, why do the disciples of John fast often and make prayers? And likewise, why the disciples of the Pharisees? But thine eat and drink. Okay? So they're saying, John the Baptist's followers, they're, they're fasting often. The Pharisees fast often. This is yours, the eating and drinking. And then Jesus answers this. He says, can you make the children of the bride chamber fast while the bridegroom is with them? Or can you make wedding guests fast while the bridegroom is with them? Yes. Now, you just had a lovely wedding, haven't you, in Northern Ireland? (laughs) And you go into a wedding. You're not going to a wedding to fast, are you? You don't go to a wedding to fast. You go to a wedding to have joy and feasting and happiness in the presence of the bridegroom and the bride. And and that's what Jesus is saying, isn't he? But then Jesus also says, the days will come when the bridegroom shall be taken away from them. Then shall they fast in those days. So the disciples had the privilege of walking with the Lord Jesus Christ these three years, didn't they? They saw the wonderful things that he did and the wonderful person that he was. But the time would come when he would be crucified. He would be gone. And Jesus says, then they will fast in these days. So I looked up in concordance for every single reference, that took some doing as well, every single reference to fasting in the Bible. And then when you've got them all together, you come out with information of what fasting means and what fasting is all about. There's some caveats come with it as well. Three words I would use about fasting. One is balance. Get the balance right. One is excess which would be harmful. And the other is ritual, which a lot of the time the Jews were doing this. They were going through the motions of fasting, yes? And it was just a ritual to them. And the Pharisees loved to, you know, get their hair all scruffy or <laughs> look disfigured faced, you know, make themselves, look at me, I'm fasting. I'm fasting unto God, you know, self posing themselves 
Whereas Jesus says, don't do that, doesn't he? Jesus said, if you want to fast, you wash your face. You anoint your head. You put your clothes on. You look happy, but you are fasting. <laughs> Basically, that's what he's saying, isn't it? So you don't go around with a miserable face saying, look at me, I'm fasting. It's as unto the Lord. Reasons for fasting then in the Bible. One is catastrophic events. There's lots of catastrophic events take place and people, the children of Israel in particular, would fast to those things. One of them I was thinking about was Esther and the wicked Haman when he made a decree from the king to get all the Jews killed in Shushan. All of them. So a death sentence went out to the whole of the Jews in that region. That was a time for them to fast and call upon the Lord. Persecution of saints. We don't get much persecution of saints in this country, but in other countries they do. And in times of persecution, there's a time when you might need to fast and to pray. Fasting also can be prayers of special petition. That's the amplified version of it. Saying prayers of special petition. So there might be circumstances in our life when we need special petition towards the Lord. And it's as unto him. So it's spending time in prayer, isn't it? That's part of fasting. Remember the Lord Jesus Christ? He went all night into a mountain to pray. He prayed all night. And he wouldn't be eating, would he? He would be fasting at that time as well as he was praying. So there's all sorts of things. Paul's a good example in Corinthians, isn't he? Corinthians 11 verse 6 and verse 7. And he talks about all the trials and tribulations he had gone through, the tremendous things that came to him in all his journeys. And he also adds to that in fastings often. Now that might be involuntary because sometimes there might have been no food to eat. So he's doing it involuntary but they could do it voluntary as well in those times that he was doing it. There was also in the case of Paul and Barnabas when they were called to go out into the mission field it says they were together with the church. They were praying together. They were worshipping together. And why they were fasting it says as well the Holy Ghost spoke and said, separate me, Barnabas and Saul, for the work which thou have called them to. So there's a case they were fasting to learn what the will of God would be. And there you are, the Lord is sending them, Paul and Barnabas, out. Which was very, very successful ministry that they did. Now that is great, isn't it? That they're doing that. Which cost them a great deal as well. And it, anybody who's thinking of going to the mission field, by the way, you can't just decide, make up your mind, right, I'm off to the mission field, I'll decide which country I'm going to, and I'm off. It doesn't work like that. You know, there's got to be an exercise about it. There's got to be a prayerful exercise about it. You've got to know this is the will of God for you and your family to go out into the mission field. And that might mean you will fast and pray with special petitions about going out on a great adventure like that. Very important, isn't it? Isaiah 58, it tells us there that you've got to be in the right 
conduct with fasting in the right conduct so I'll just turn to Isaiah chapter 58 it's all about ethical issues and they say in verse 3 of chapter 58 wherefore have we fasted say they and you do not see Wherefore have we afflicted our soul, and you don't take any knowledge? Behold, in the day of your fast ye find pleasure and exact all your labours. So the Lord tells them in no uncertain terms, this is not a fast unto me. There's other things you be should doing. He says, this is not the fast I have chosen but to loose the bands of wickedness, to undo heavy burdens, to let the oppressed go free, that you might break every yoke. It is not to deal thy bread to the hungry and bring the poor that are cast out of thy house. When thou seest the nakedest, thou covest him and hidest not thyself from mine own flesh, etc., etc. They weren't in the right conduct in their fasting before the Lord, and really it was not unto him, was it? I think one of the most important ones is Zechariah chapter 7. So if you want to turn that, you don't need to if you don't want to. We'll turn to Zechariah. And chapter 7. This was a mission from Babylon and they had questions about fasting. And it says in verse 5, they were asking the question, should I be still doing fasting on the certain days? The fourth day in the ninth month, should I be fasting? And there came the word of the Lord came unto them, saying, Speak unto all the people of the land, the priests, saying, When ye fasted and mourned in the fifth and the seventh month, and the seventh, in the seventy years, did you at all fast unto me? So that's the ritual side of it, isn't it? We've gone through all this fasting for all these number of months. But the Lord is saying, look, this insincerity, their lamentations, their humiliation during that 70 years of captivity was all really false. It wasn't unto him. So the most important thing, if we are fasting... It is as unto the Lord Jesus. And he sees it. The other thing there is regarding the Jews as well. The Jews one day, when the Lord comes, when his kingdom comes, when he's king of kings and lord of lords upon the throne in Jerusalem, um, they won't need to fast, will they? There'll be no fasting. It'll be joy. It'll be gladness. Because he is there. He is there. And we're looking forward, aren't we, to the bridegroom comes. <laughs> the Lord comes. And we go to be with the Lord. But we, we're not going to be fasting in glory, are we? place of joy and gladness 
and worship. Be wonderful. Now, there is some pitfalls. You can go to access, yeah? And I, I looked up, I found in one of Darby's books, he tells us a story of his life. And he was doing fasting to excess, really. And he had to be delivered from it, which is quite interesting what he says. This is what he says. He would fast on Wednesdays. He would fast on Fridays. He would fast on Saturdays. And he would eat nothing much less, a few pieces of bread for the rest of the time. Right? You can see where this is going, can't you? He said, if I, can, if I can fast for three, then I can fast for four. If I can fast for four, then I can fast for five. If I can, can fast for five, then I can do six. And if I fast for six, I can do seven. Now what's that going to do to your body by the end of that? <laughs> and then he said, what do I do then? He said, I probably shall just die. <laughs> so you can see how excessive it was to him. Uh, you can get into that rut of doing that sort of thing. It's not the purpose of it all. If you think of the, the gentleness and kindness of the Lord Jesus Christ, when he was on the, on the, doing the sermon, feeding the 4,000, yes, he was there. He fed the 4,000. He said to the disciples, look, um, Give them something to eat. They've been with me for three days. He says, I am not sending them away fasting because they will faint in the way. Now that's the care and consideration of the Lord Jesus Christ, isn't it? If you are going to fast, he, is, he would be concerned if you fast to excess. And really when we're fasting, which should be genuine as well not just a ritual. So there's got to be that balance in doing these things, get the right balance. But there is a need for it sometimes, yes, that we might need to fast. I remember when COVID was on the go, we did it in this assembly, didn't we? We, we fasted because it was a crisis, wasn't it? COVID crisis and lots of people were dying. It's a good reason to turn to the Lord and plea with the Lord about the things that are going on. Then he talks about this, this parable. All about a man putting a piece of new garment upon an old cloth. Now what does this, all this mean? What Jesus is saying in these two parables here is a great change has taken place. Yes, because he's here. Change has taken place. The grace of God was shining out in the Lord Jesus Christ, and like a new piece of cloth, it could not be treated as a patch to go put on an old garment. And what he's talking about, the old garment of the law. Things are changing regarding the law. The new cloth will impose such a strain upon the old fabric, it will tear. Then he talks about new wine being put into, wineskins is probably the better word than bottles, New wine put into bottles. This illustration. You can't mingle together the freedom of the gospel with the old ceremonies of the law. Yeah. Things have changed drastically. 
The freshly ordinance of the law were finished. The Pharisees preferred law to grace. Hence the Lord says, they say they don't desire the new, they say the old is better. So something wonderful has come in. The grace of God has come in. Things have changed, haven't they? We're no longer under law. We're under grace. And this is what it means. Everything is new. Which is wonderful. Then we have these great things about the Sabbath. Jesus and the Sabbath. The Pharisees hated Jesus. Uh, and one of the things that they held against him was he was doing all his miracles on the Sabbath. And they weren't happy with that whatsoever. And they were so far extreme, it's unbelievable how it went to the extreme that they went to. It says, first of all, on the, came to pass on the second Sabbath after the first that he went through the cornfields and his disciples plucked the ears of corn and to eat and rubbing them in their hands. And the Pharisees said unto them, why do you that which is not lawful to do on the Sabbath Day. Now, this is the craziness of the extreme these Pharisees went to. They interpreted them going through the cornfields. That's what they were allowed to do. So plucking, they said, that's reaping. So you just plucked off some corn to eat. And they said, that's reaping. And reaping is work, yes? You're not supposed to work on the Sabbath. Then they said, you've rubbed them. So that means threshing. Because the, the, the corn would be threshed. Yes, that's work. So you see what extreme and ridiculous that they went to. All they were doing was eating some corn, rubbing it together and eating it. They weren't working in that sense. And you were allowed to do eat on the Sabbath day. <laughs> you weren't allowed to eat. So that is ridiculous, isn't it? And then Jesus gives another example. He says, all right, he says, look. Have you not read so much as this, what David did when he himself was unhungered and they that were with him, and he went into the house of God and did take and eat the showbread, which was also given to them that went with him, and it was not lawful for them to eat. It was for the priests alone. So they went into the house of God and they eat the bread. Now this is the case when David fled from Saul and he went to Nob, which is the, uh, where the priests are, and he asked for food, for some bread. They were hungry. Yeah. And it also amazes me that how much lies come out, yes? Because the priest was suspicious. Why are you here without your sword and things of like that? And what's going on? He, he was quite suspicious of what was going on. So David just lied to him. You know, he says, Saul sent me on urgent business. I must do this. I didn't have time to put my sword on, etc., etc. He lied. <laughs> but it's just bread. This is what Jesus said. He wasn't going to let his servant starve on the technicality of the law. It's just bread. So they took the bread and they ate it. That, what happened that day cost the lives of 85 priests because 85 priests were killed by Saul um, and in the city of Nob they not just killed 85 priests they killed women, children and sucklings 
And they basically caused massive disaster on the place. So Jesus is giving that illustration, isn't it? It wasn't lawful for him to take the bread, but he had need. And his servants had need, therefore, it's bread. Give him the bread, let him eat it. And then he said, the Son of Man is Lord also of the Sabbath. I like that, yes. He is Lord, he has all authority and power over the Sabbath. Then he talks about another Sabbath coming along, yes. He entered the synagogue and taught, and there was a man there who had a withered hand. The scribes, the Pharisees, they watched him whether he would heal on the Sabbath day that they might find an accusation against him. But he knew their thoughts. He said to the man which had the withered hand, Rise up and stand forth in the midst. And he rose and stood forth. And Jesus said unto them, I will ask you one thing. Is it lawful on the Sabbath day to do good or to do evil, to save life or to destroy it? And looking round about upon them all, he said unto the man, Stretch forth thy hand. And he did so, and his hand was restored whole as the other. They were filled with madness. A wonderful miracle has taken place. And they are filled with madness against him. And they are planning to destroy him, to kill him. Now Mark also adds to this. He said, Mark adds things to this, to this little bit here. He said he looked upon them with anger that was the Lord's thoughts Yes, he was angry at these Pharisees but he healed this man he says on another occasion doesn't he that a, a sheep he said if a sheep falls into a ditch on the Sabbath day what do you do he says you go down in the ditch and you get the, the sheep out don't you and then what Jesus said Mankind, men and women, are more important than sheep. Yes. <laughs> Look after the sheep. There's been on the news recently a, a, a sheep was, um, fell off a massive crag and it's took them two years to rescue this sheep. Yes, because in an awkward spot. <laughs> uh, and it's took them two years to rescue this sheep out of this predicament. I mean, it would have had food. It would have eaten grass and things. But because of the nature of the terrain the poor little thing was left alone for two years <laughs> but had something to eat we're more important than sheep though aren't we so that's another thing that is causing them madness and then it says what verse I'm going down I'm going to the last verse aren't I yes we're finished there I'm not moving on from there so these things are wonderful, aren't they, to, to consider about fasting, about the Sabbath. Remember, today is not the Sabbath, today is the Lord's day, <laughs> where we meet to worship the Lord, where we meet to hear his word. It's the Lord's day. It's a wonderful day. There's no particular strict rules that we have to undertake in the Lord's day. But the Lord's expectation is you want to be 
with him in worship and in praise and in his word. So it's a good enough reason to come, isn't it? To spend the day with the Lord. Which would be very good. So that's it. That's what we're up to. The, the verse we're going to finish on. Uh, we'll just talk about the Pharisees. Jesus speaks about them in chapter 23. Eight times he calls them with exclamation marks. Hypocrites. <laughs> Absolute hypocrites. Yes. That was his assessment of them. They were self-righteous. One of them in Luke 18, it says, you know, there's a Pharisee and a publican. And the publican was eyes up to God, you know, wouldn't lift his eyes up to God. He was in wanting mercy from the Lord. The Pharisee says, I thank you, I'm not like this man. Yeah? I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all my money. All self-glorifying himself. Telling, telling God how good he was. <laughs> we don't do that, do we? We don't tell God how good we are in our praise. We take the humble position. That's, well, that's what the Pharisees were like. They were a strict religious organization. Kept strictly to the law. Taught the law. And made sure everybody else fell in line with the law. Not very nice people. Paul was a Pharisee. And he became a very nice man. Didn't he? <laughs> a saved man. And did marvellous work to the glory of God. Now I don't know whether you fast or not. Or some might not fast. But sometimes there might be a need for it. And it should be as unto the Lord. Fast unto him. That's the reason for it. But don't do it to excess because you might harm your body. Don't do it just out of ritual. Get your balance right. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank thee how we see thee walk in this earth. Greater than the temple was there. Son of man, Lord of the Sabbath. 